I can finally stand on my own two feet again. Go ahead and flip that down while this is coming down, just to make sure it's on. Oh, good. My wife will be back Thursday. That's what I say. We're going to take a look today at the crowning act of deception. And there's a reason I want to look at that. Halloween is coming upon us. Of all the holidays, I believe that Halloween is the most dangerous. This is when the world focuses upon the devil, upon evil, deception, satanic power, fear, and an overdose of candy. We could probably call it Satan's day of worship of once a year because the world really focuses on the evil. But the devil doesn't want worship just one day a year. He wants to be the supreme God of this world. Isaiah shows to us what his desire is. Isaiah 14, 12 to 14. It says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? That was his name when he was the holy angel up in heaven. Son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's his lifelong dream. He has been planning for centuries a crowning act of deception to get the world to worship him instead of God. And it's going to take place just before the second coming of Christ. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 14 says, Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He's not going to come looking like this. And when it says that he'll appear as an angel of light, he's not going to be satisfied with being a created angel. Remember, he wants to be the Most High God. So he's going to appear before mankind in a totally different form. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. 
saying the day of Jesus won't come until this falling away comes first. And the man of sin, or the man of lawlessness, is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. So that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Satan is going to show great power, signs, and lying wonders to deceive the people here on this earth. What is it that he's going to do? Since he desires to be God, he's going to become a, and he's going to become a glorious being. He's going to appear to the world as the Messiah, the resurrected Jesus Christ. Great controversy. Pages 624 and 625. As the, and that should be crowning, and I see where my secretary got it from, the crowning act in great deception, Satan himself will personate Christ. The church has long professed to look to the Savior's advent as the consummation of her hopes. Now the great deceiver will make it appear that Christ has come. In different parts of the earth, Satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness resembling the description of the Son of God given by John in Revelation 1, verses 13 through 15. The glory that surrounds him is unsurpassed by anything that mortal eyes have yet beheld. The shout of triumph rings out upon the air, Christ has come. Christ has come. The people prostrate themselves in adoration before him while he lifts up his hands and pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed his disciples when he was upon the earth. His voice is soft and subdued, yet full of melody in gentle, compassionate tones he presents some of the same gracious heavenly truths which the Savior uttered. He heals the diseases of the people. And then, in his assumed character of Christ, he claims to have changed the Sabbath to Sunday and commands all to hallow the day which he has blessed. He declares that those who persist in keeping holy the seventh day are blaspheming his name by refusing to listen to his angels. This is the strong, almost overmastering delusion. The multitudes, from the least to the greatest, give heed to these sorceries, saying, 
This is the great power of God. He's going to appear like the description of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Let's look at that for a moment. Revelation 1, 13 through 16. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, this is Jesus, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. You're going to have to admit that if Satan looks anything like this description, it's going to be the most fantastic Halloween outfit ever created. He will not only look the part, but he's going to try to act the part as far as he can. Manuscript Release 8, page 346. Satan will work wonders before men to make the world believe him to be Christ come the second time to our world. While he bears the appearance in every particular, as far as appearance goes, he is not the Christ. Even though he looks like it, even though he's going to perform miracles, he is not Christ. But let me tell you something. If you don't know the scriptures, you will fail to read such passages like this. Revelation 1.17, And when I saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. If Jesus was to appear on this earth as described in Revelation chapter 1, mankind would fall like dead people because sinful mankind cannot stand before the glorious Christ without being consumed by his brightness. Jesus also gives us another warning, Matthew 24, verses 23 to 26. If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there. Do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you before. Therefore, if they say to you, Look, he's in the desert. Do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. Jesus is telling us that a false Christ is going to appear and he's going to walk on this earth among mankind. And it's going to be reported to the world. Here's the Christ over here in Jerusalem. Oh no, here's the Christ over here in the desert. Oh no, here's Christ over here in our room. As soon as the master deceiver appears as Messiah on this earth, you can almost bet but it's going to be covered by all the major television networks in the world. It's going to be broadcast all over this world. And then people are going to say, see, every eye is seeing him. 
The newspaper reporters are going to be asking him questions. The paparazzi will be continually snapping pictures. We will see well-known religious leaders bowing down before this glorious imposter, pledging their allegiance to him and worshiping him. We need to be worried. We read in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 10 something that should cause us great concern. It says that Satan will come with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Jesus gave his disciples a commission to go into the world and to teach whatsoever he had commanded them. There will be those who will not receive the teachings of biblical truth. I believe for two reasons. Number one, they refuse to hear the truth. There's not much you can do about it when someone refuses to hear what you have to say about the Bible. But the one that concerns me is they were not taught the truth. It wasn't because they didn't have an, an opportunity, but the opportunity was passed over. And I want to focus on the second one for a moment. Because many who claim to be Christians are really biblically illiterate. And I'm sorry to say that a lot of them are in our homes within our own church. Our young people, if they are not taught biblical truth, will be some of the first to accept the deception of Satan when he comes. They are so programmed now to believe what is ever on their television or upon their computer that when they see it with their own eyes and they see the miracles and they see the brightness and they, they hear him speak and he's so kind and he's so loving, they're going to say, let me go over there. This is the Savior. And that bothers me. And it should bother you. Great Controversy, page 625. Only those who have been diligent students of the scriptures and who have received the love of the truth will be shielded from the powerful delusion that takes the world captive. By the Bible testimony, these will detect the deceiver in his disguise. To all, the testing time will come. By the sifting of temptation, the genuine Christian will be revealed. Are the people of God now so firmly established upon his word that they would not yield to the evidence of their senses? Would they, in such a crisis, cling to the Bible and the Bible only? You see, that deception is going to be so fantastic, it is going to be so miraculous, that Jesus says it could even fool the very elect. 
people who worried about our young people. Oh, I, I take them to Sabbath school. And they're learning Sabbath school. Well, the Beaumont Church has a great Sabbath school and, and great Sabbath school teachers. I am proud of the Sabbath school teachers in the children's divisions and all their helpers. In fact, I want all the, the uh, children's divisions, Sabbath school teachers and their helpers to stand up for a moment so you can be recognized. Would you? Don't be bashful. Stand up. Look, they're all bashful. There's a couple, three up on the balcony. Here's some up here. I am very proud of them because they take the time. You sit down. I won't embarrass you anymore. Amen. They take the time to really try to present to our children biblical truth. And I'm grateful for that. But here's the problem. They only have about an hour, one hour a week, to be able to teach them. I've been told that many of their students show up to class late, which means they miss part of the study, and when they come in, they also interrupt the rest of the class, and it takes a little while to get back into focus again. That should bother us. We should bring our children here on time to learn. God has presented your children to you and your grandchildren to you to be able to say when you get to heaven, Lord, here's my family. But if I am, as a driver, late to bring my kids at least to Sabbath school, it's going to fall on my shoulders and my responsibility. I don't want God against me. Some of you will say, well, I send my kids to Mesa Grande Academy or to Loma Linda Academy or Redlands Academy. And I praise God for that, the sacrifice that you're making. And we had that presentation last week. You know, there are other means of being able to educate our kids as well, too. If you can, send them to the academy. Some of you have decided to homeschool your children. But if you're not homeschooling them and presenting the spiritual, you're losing out on the whole process. They've got to have the spiritual as well, too. But some of you are sending them to, to public school. And if you're not doing something at home to give them biblical instruction, they will be deceived. In fact, all of us should be having some type of family worship or Bible study on a regular basis at home. We shouldn't rely upon the teachers, the Sabbath school teachers, or anyone else to teach our children. We are responsible for our children. And grandparents, we are responsible for our grandchildren whenever we come in contact with them. Amen. It's 
the best place in the world to study the Bible. And the whole family benefits when we study together. And I'm not talking about a quick reading of a little story out of a little friend and then singing this little light of mine and then having your child say a short prayer. I'm talking about really teaching and studying the scriptures every day as a family. Man, I'm going to pick on you. God has classified you as men as spiritual leaders. And as a spiritual leader, it is your responsibility to be able to set aside every day a time period where you will help in training your family on the Bible. And you need to do it in a fun way. Because I know of a couple, or not a couple, a young lady who was raised in a home and the husband, after they went to church, would come home and they had to sit in the kitchen on straight back hard chairs and listen to him read out of the spirit of prophecy until the sun went down. And then he couldn't figure out why his kids weren't in the church. you got to make it fun. Quiz your children on the Bible. Have your children quiz you. Guys, they love to see you sweat. Because they'll look for those tough passages and say, Okay, Dad, here's your question. How do you spell Artaxerxes? But I tell you what, you all learn. It's a fun way to learn the Bible. Teach them about Jesus and how Jesus will come. Revelation 1-7. Behold, he's coming with clouds and every eye will see him. We're not talking about CNN, CBS, ABC, and NBC. Every eye will see him. And they also who pierced him, who nailed him to the cross, are going to be resurrected and they're going to see him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. They're mourning because they know they're lost. Great controversy. Read this to them. Page 625. Satan is not permitted to counterfeit the manner of Christ's advent. This this coming, there is no possibility of counterfeiting. It will be universally known and witnessed by the whole world. Satan cannot counterfeit Jesus coming with all the holy angels in the sky. We've got to see that. Remember, Jesus says, well, if he says he's over here in the desert, don't believe it. He's coming in the sky. And all the eyes are going to see him. What a glorious appearance that will be. And Satan cannot come close to that. Plus, he's not able to counterfeit this description that comes from the Bible. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel. And with the trumpet of God. 
Satan can't do this. The dead in Christ, we're talking about all over the world, the dead in Christ will rise first out of their graves. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with them to meet the Lord in the air, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Satan can't counterfeit that. We're going to meet the Lord in the air. And he's not going to touch the earth. But our kids need to know this. The devil's going to walk around on this earth making people think that he's Jesus. He's going to take a little bit of the words and the teachings of Jesus and he's going to present that. And they're going to say, oh, that comes from the Bible. And then he's going to throw in his deception along with it. But if you're not a Bible student, you won't know. You'll say, well, I remember hearing that in Sabbath school one time. You know? But, boy, that's news to me what he just said at the end. Wow, this must be glorious. New, new truth. Brothers and sisters, there's no truth, new truth. It's the Bible truth that's been there all along. We're going to study it. A Bible student will know that Satan is a counterfeit. And my prayer is that our children will know. Someone shared with me this morning, they've gone to funerals and someone has died and their spouse is there, they're getting up in years and They've been good, loyal, faithful Seventh-day Adventists. Great faith. Worked hard in the church. Then there will be that couple's children. They're there. Maybe they still go to church, but they kind of act a little different. They kind of believe a little different than what their mom and dad believed. And then there's the grandchildren. And they don't look or act anything like Christians at all. That should bother us. Are our children becoming biblical, biblically illiterate? It's time that we take Scripture and put it to memory. If Satan comes disguised unexpectedly, our children may not have time to go, well, let me look this up in the Bible. I know it's here someplace. Let's see. If they've got it memorized, the Holy Spirit will help them say, Thus saith the Lord. And there are ways to do that. If you have a hard time memorizing Bible scriptures, try these two websites www.fast.st This is learning scripture by using flashcards. Remember those days? www.fast.st There's another one if you're more computer literate. And that's www.loridian.com 
This is a way of learning scripture using uh, technology of being able to put it together. I don't care how you do it, but just do it as a whole family. Don't put it down, okay, kids, memorize this, and I'm going to go in the other room and watch TV. You memorize it as well. Make it a joy. When Satan comes in his disguise, you will automatically know by memory the Bible verse that reveals truth. You'll automatically know that what Satan says is not totally true. He used part of a Bible, Bible text, but then he added his own. You'll know that automatically. Time is running out. Jesus is going to come soon. The world knows it. They're looking for his soon return. But Satan's going to appear first. He's going to come to try to conquer the allegiance of the world and he will demand that the world worship him on his day. And they will do it. If we are not willing to study God's word and teach our families, Satan will fool even us, the very elect. What's more important? Football game on TV? Or your children and grandchildren to enter into heaven? You've got to prioritize life. Is your work more important than your family? Is Disneyland more important than your family? Is other families more important than your family? We can get so caught up helping other families that our family will be lost. Can we afford to do that? If we're willing to start studying the scriptures. What's going to happen inside of our minds and inside of this in our hearts is we're going to have a, a burning, deep sensation within our hearts. It's going to be the hope in the true coming of the Lord and not Satan's. Hymn number 214. stand together. alone in part faith 
promise of His Word. We believe the time is here when the nation far and near shall awake and shout and sing Alleluia, Christ is King. We have this hope that burns within our hearts. Hope in the coming of the Satan has tricks up his sleeve to try to get people to worship him. We want to make a pledge right here and now. We, as a church family, and in our own personal families, are going to turn our focus of attention upon you and to begin to commit ourselves to studying your holy word so that we will not be deceived by Satan himself, but we will know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.